This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonisation and genocide are ongoing processes that still happen today. Sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey there, welcome back to Ozpol Snack Pod, the podcast that is kind of like a bacon egg McMuffin. Uh, kind of nice to wake up to, but it might just fuck up the whole rest of your day. We are an Australian news and politics podcast that serve you up bite-sized chunks of those two things, plus a side of crispy memes. We are also the official podcast of the Ozpol Shitposting Facebook group, which you should check out if you like shitposting and Facebook groups and Ozpol. My name is Zachla Snack, and with me, as always, is friend, confidant, member of my inner sanctum, and one of Australia's foremost political nobodies. Oh, God, it's me, Noon, but I'm exhausted after listening to you do that introduction, and I think <laughs> I need to wrap up this episode early. But luckily, we have a co-co-host this week. Uh, Split in three ways. Uh, from a, a, a few weeks ago, when I was off sick, um, this week we have Holly. Hello. Hey, cuties. Hey, Snack Pack. Woo. It's me, Holly. The audience yeah. goes wild. She's joining us again, Bob. Yeah, Hello. they are. They're going wild at home. Holly, if you don't know, is the host of Every Second Weekend podcast, which is a great little show where Holly and her dad read Agatha Christie to each other and make cute jokes. And she's also my partner. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Bob. You're welcome. I, I don't know if Zach told you this, Holly, but um, oh. your episode, I think, has been our most successful to date or like we got a huge spike from you as a co-host which we haven't got from basically any of our other interviews or co-hosts oh one or two but yeah you, you, i'm you, very uh, popular you drew it's in the true. clicks so yeah, yeah. yeah. there was a, there was a spike the holly bump yeah i'm uh, an enigma people are interested <laughs> yeah well let's let's preserve the mystery we can't bring you on too often are you telling you know? me to shut up yes exactly all right so uh i can thank our patrons <laughs> okay uh our new patron l <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for signing up. And also May, who increased their pledge to $13.12, which is an extremely good amount of money. Uh, so before we get into our stories this week, here's a couple of things that have been in the news that we're not really going to chat about. Uh, the Morgapan family from Biloela have been uh, reunited in community det detention in Perth, which is better than being split up uh, between Christmas Island and mainland Australia, but still fucked. Give them visas and release them from detention, you fucking ghouls. Mm. Yeah. A uh, uh, bit of good news this week uh, that ha that came out was uh, around Witness K, who people might know is a whistleblower from the Australian Secret Intelligence Service. I'm pretty sure I have that acronym right. Um, uh, this guy exposed the time that the uh, Australian Secret Service bugged the office of the Prime Minister of East Timor during negotiations over oil fields between Australia and East Timor. Uh, very fucked. It's been a very fucked case. He was like waiting without charge for like years. And there really, was really dark stuff with his lawyer as well. That like the lawyer. Yeah, his got lawyer is also being charges. Yeah, his yeah. lawyer's also being charged. I'm gonna um, need a snack pod bonus episode about it, please. Yeah, we yeah. we haven't got, dived into it on the show because it's like a really big and complicated story, uh, and I'd love to do it. And here's my promise to you, listener: we will. But not today. But the good news is that uh, Witness K has been given a three-month suspended sentence. He won't see any actual jail time. That's good news. 
uh, and the other piece of good news is that uh, Pickle Boy's Liberty Works featured uh, in Oswald Snackbook maybe two weeks ago. Uh, you know, libertarian right-wing think tank. They ate shit in, in the high court this week, um, which is, it's always fun when they lose. They were basically trying to be like, we don't want to provide documents to the government that might show that we are actually funded completely by American conservatives. Mm -hmm. And the high court was like, nah, well, you, you should show us these documents. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. organize a, a lot of weird talks from like, yeah, the, the conservative uh, political action conference, which yeah. is, so they did like an Australian spin-off of this like heinously right-wing American conference, and it was funded by the same American people, which is exactly why they didn't want to like have to register as a foreign, as foreign influence. What but anyway, we're not talking about that story, and there's another story we're that we're not going to be talking about this week, which is of course Friendly Geordies, because, you know, he's been in the news a lot, and uh, Zach has a strict no Friendly Geordies uh, policy, and that will be upheld fully within this episode yeah so. zach will never speak about friendly geordies you have that's exactly our right promise on that that's exactly right it was the best of takes it was the blurst of takes you stupid monkey <laughs> so listeners may know there has been a uh, plague of mice mostly in inland new south wales raging for the past 10 months or so uh we haven't really talked about it on the show except mentioning it in passing when it's come up in in other stories mm. because you know we are inner city lefties and don't pay as much attention to the country as we should um it seems to have been caused by good mouse sex weather i know listeners you all know what good mouse sex weather is it's um my it's favorite just been... season Pardon? that's what you want to see when you open the the curtains exactly yeah, i go Ooh, stretch my arms and go, oof, beautiful my sex weather today. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. and so that was combined with a, a really big harvest that came after a three-year drought broke. So there were a bunch of mice fucking, and then they had a bunch of food to feed the babies, um, and they've just exploded. And the actual numbers are unclear, but there are at least millions. Um, oh, no one counted the mice? Uh, <laughs> there are literally too many to count. It, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, there are like thousands and That's thousands on, e on each property. Um, and, Literally and, countless mice. <laughs> yeah. And they've and done like... similarly countless amount of damage, uh, like easily millions of dollars worth of damage, probably tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage to crops, wow. to machinery. They get inside oh, machinery. Cheeky, aren't they? they nest in there. Jeez. They chew wires. Um, and people. Uh, a number of people have gone to hospital with bites, scratches, and I'm going to try and get this right, lymphocytic choriomeningitis, uh, which is a mouse-borne uh -huh. disease commonly known deliciously as LCM. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I love LCM. Is that another plague? Uh, yeah, well, apparently this is like a common mouse-borne disease, and uh, people at hospitals have been like, we're surprised there haven't been more LCM cases, because there are countless mice. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it's a bit of a problem, uh, and mm. poison and bait are getting really expensive um, because so many people are buying them, and there's obviously concern about the effects that this is going to have on other animals, both the bait and the poison, but also the millions of mice aren't great for native possum populations or whatever. Yeah. Um, but here's a very concerning quote from the ABC. New South Wales Minister for Agriculture Adam Marshall says it's still unclear if there is a control method effective enough to tackle the plague. I've been meeting with New South Wales farmers frequently on the issue, and at our most recent meeting, they had no clear suggestions on how we can tackle this problem, Mr. Marshall said. So, 
that's pretty cooked. The the guy who's in charge of dealing with this issue is like, yeah, we can't do anything about it. Literally nothing we can do will help. So, cool. Um, so obviously that's terrible on a number of levels, but the blurst take this week is going to the leader of the Nationals, Holly... Do you know his name? I'm asking you because I, Zach has remembered his name often enough, but... Ah, oh, the no-face guy. Mm-hmm. He's like a Matt or a, or a Michael. Yep. yep. That's right. You it's know, a Michael, Michael a McCormack. <laughs> yes. Uh, or, or Mike Mork McMark. Um, <laughs> he was asked in Parliament about the mouse plague and why the government aren't doing anything about it. And here is what he said. Running rampant around your house, around your farm, around your factory. And then we have, of course, Peter, the uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals coming out. I didn't hear the member for Melbourne disendorsing them, saying that the mice, the poor little curious creatures, should be rehomed. Well, I actually agree with Peter. They should be rehomed into their into their inner city apartment so that they can so that they can nibble away at their food and their feet at night and scratch their children at night. But this is a disgrace by Peter. We always stand ready to help our farmers. Yeah. So that's not great. Um, he referenced Peter here, and Peter have many problems, as I know both of you uh, are aware. Uh, but I looked at their statement about the mouse plague, and they don't say anything about rehoming mice. It's entirely possible someone <laughs> did like a media interview, but I have not been able to find anything else that they've said about the mass plague other than this official statement on their website mm-hmm. in which they fully acknowledge that farmers probably do need to kill the mice. They also point out that, um, quote, ideal breeding conditions for mice require higher moisture and plentiful food supply, so practical exclusion and deterrent methods should have been started at the beginning of the summer. It's completely reasonable. They're not saying anything about what needs to be done now. They're just like, this could have been managed and not happen in the first place if mm. people had yeah. thought about it. They also say, yeah. quote, if they are going to be killed, it's only ethical and right to do so as painlessly as possible, not with gut-wrenching poisons that cause slow, agonizing death to mice or other animals who may eat the poison or its victims. Uh, and they also called on the farm- uh, on the government to support farmers. They decried the uh, New South Wales minister saying that there was no solution. Um, and they asked for everyone to find less horrific and more effective ways of killing the mice, basically. So uh, Michael McCormack basically blatantly lied in in Parliament, um, and also hilariously so, I think. Like, the suggestion of rehoming mice well, into it's good. He came up like, with the gag and was like, it doesn't matter that they never said anything like course. this. This is going to go down a fucking treat in Parliament. What's the point of the gag? That he would get a laugh uh, and some headlines. C- city Hard people relate. bad, Peter bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, like, Peter's an interesting target because they're kind of famous for killing a lot of animals in their animal mm. shelters. Like, it's one of the uh, main problems that people have with them. it's kind of a smart target in that, in that sense. It's like, no one's going to give a shit if I shit on Peter right now. Yeah, that's right. And even lots of animal advocates don't like them, not yeah. for that reason, but also because of their, like misogynist advertising campaigns and so on um like in this yeah, case th- it seems like they've been <laughs> responded relatively reasonably by their standards completely um, yeah, as but far that's as I can tell. Yeah. that's not good material for when you need to do your tight five in parliament yeah and i mean and he had he had them in stitches he had on the other it's side true, of the aisle as well yeah you watch that video. Uh, they're they were into lulling. It. they're into it as well yeah <laughs> which like just fucking don't <laughs> Don't encourage him, okay? 
I'm calling you out, Labour Party. Do not laugh at the opposition at your opposition's jokes. Okay, you're you're banned. You're tough. All right. All right. So, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to say it. All right. Now it's time for shit post of the week. Uh, so I feel a little ambivalent about this one. Like you know, seen this floating around and being like, "Ha ha, that's good for a chuckle." And then when I was googling it, there were all these like softball puff pieces on it yeah. in various media outlets, which immediately made me feel like, oh man, it, you know, are we the Sydney Morning Herald funny papers, funny pages? Like, is that what we've become? So anyway, hopefully we can skirt that. But um, this week, Julie Bishop has been chosen by Mattel as Barbie's 2021 role model. And she's got her own Feminist special icon, little Julie Mattel. Bishop Barbie doll. Yes. <laughs> So I guess shit post of the week technically goes to Julie Bishop's Instagram post of her posing with her little Barbie. Um, I thought it was funny. I was doing, I did actually research this and previous uh, Australian role models for Barbie include Ida Buttress, which is okay. weird and Bindi Irwin, which is an obvious great choice because mm. you can accessorize the shit out of a Bindi Irwin Barbie. Uh, to be clear, you can't actually buy any of these. Role model Barbies. Oh, really? Like they they're just, just like made yeah. display versions. Yeah, they oh. like they just made a special little oh, one to give. That's ones. disappointing. Yeah, I mean, this would be much funnier if you could go out and buy a Julie Bishop Barbie. Um, but anyway, uh, so Bishop says that she loves Barbie. Uh, has since since she was a kid. She still has her Jackie O doll. Apparently, the OG. Uh, from when she was a kid. And also, freakishly, she has an ASIO Barbie, which Whoa. was given to her as a farewell an gift. ASIO Barbie? <laughs> yeah, because, and I'm Is guessing the... it's because, you know, um... she was the foreign minister for, for a really right, long time. Right, So I guess that she had a relationship with, with ASIO. But yeah, as a farewell present, they gave her an ASIO Barbie, which I is... I need to see this I'm ASIO looking at... Barbie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I haven't actually seen a picture of it, so... Uh, Australian ASIO Federal Barbie. Police Barbie. Yeah, yeah, ASIO Barbie. Oh, so she's wearing, like, a white double-breasted jacket. Uh, I think those are plus fours, but I'm not very good at, <laughs> at, at, at trousers. Uh, and uh, dark glasses. And she's got hair that looks like a wig. Oh, so uh, Even just, more than the like average a, Barbie hair. It's just girl spy Barbie. She's, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I thought it would be also... funny if she had a little fucking lanyard or like you know was helping destabilize a regime somewhere anyway uh quote here from bishop knowing how much barbie had meant to me as a little girl knowing how barbie had evolved into this doll that inspired young girls to choose fascinating careers i jumped at this opportunity uh and yeah Did she so, have a I mean, fascinating career Julie yeah bishop? absolutely i mean, I mean little girls everywhere. probably a good word to, for it honestly <laughs> but yeah little girls everywhere now can dream of doing everything that Julie Bishop did. Hmm. They can work as a lawyer for a mining company, refusing to pay compensation to workers who are exposed to asbestos, mm. and deliberately drawing out litigation so long that the workers died before the case finished. Mm. Well, that's you just smart they can, it's, mm. <laughs> well, Who wouldn't want to grow up to do that? The little girls can grow up to denounce feminism and say that they don't need it. Girl they, boss. they could grow up to outsource the delivery of foreign, of foreign aid to private companies. Just to make sure that we don't help anyone out without capitalists getting their profits first. Mm. Woohoo! They Get could your then bag. they could then take a job 
with one of those private foreign aid companies right after leaving their position as the foreign affairs minister. And then they can, of course, grow up to become a feminist icon and be immortalized in the shape of a little doll. So... I Get also just I think it's funny that she's wearing red shoes just because of all of the controversy about the red shoes after QAnon. Yeah. Um obviously they are like her brand or whatever, so it makes sense, but also I still think it's funny. Yeah, lots of the stories are like, oh, Julie Bishop's famous outfits, Julie Bishop's famous red shoes, and I'm like, they're famous to you, political journalist. Yes. Like, <laughs> please don't describe her as a fashion icon. Anyway. She's rich and spends money on clothes. It's not the same. It, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's probably enough on that. Um, <laughs> Noon, do you want to move on now to our First Nations story? Yes. And I wanted to say a shout out to Peter for sending in this story. Thank you so much. Um, uh, it's a nice story, which is so rare and always so good when we have them in the First Nations uh, story. I mean, everywhere, but also specifically for our First Nations mm. stories. So this is about the Murray Courts. Uh, these are courts that run alongside the Magistrates' Courts, and they're exclusively for First Nations people. Um, and in Queensland, they're called Murray Courts. In New South Wales, they're Koori Courts. Um, and they have other names elsewhere. Uh, and there are some restrictions on who's eligible for them. So, for example, you have to be on bail, you have to be pleading guilty, and you have to be, like, in a magistrate's court, not at a higher court, so on and so forth. But basically what they do is they connect um, people who've been arrested with elders, um, and they talk to them, the elders talk to them about what's going on in their life, um, and why they did the stuff that they got arrested for, and figure out ways to help change their life. Um and they're constantly checking in with them. It's sort of like a parole program almost, something along those lines. Um, but obviously it's all done from a place of like understanding of culture and understanding of like colonial violence and how that yeah. and intergenerational trauma and how that results in um, being arrested and so on. Uh, but the reason that they're in the news at the moment um, is that they have had a 100% success rate, uh, which is to say that not a single person who's been before the Murray courts have been in custody again. And that's wow. compared to about 25% across courts in general, according to SBS. Mm. So roughly 75% of people who go to court end up in custody a second time. Um, and no one who's been to these Murray courts has ever ended up in custody again. So that's fucking phenomenal. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's saving lives. Yes, yeah. like keep, absolutely. Keeping indigenous people out of custody is, that's saving lives. Yep. Um, and according to SBS, the Murray Courts are also working with disability services. Uh, so uh, there's a quote from that article. It's the first time NDIS services have been directly offered to offenders in the Murray Court after it was found most had some form of undiagnosed disability. Mm. In Queensland, one in every three of the almost 9,000 people in prison is Indigenous, while making up only 4% of the general population. Mm. And this is sort of a side note uh, compared to, you know, obviously changing people's lives, keeping them out of jail and, like stopping them being killed in prison and so on. Uh, but it just makes really good economic sense. And according to a magistrate, uh, Tina Previtera, who I think um, sort of oversees uh, the uh, Acury Court in Brisbane, um, uh, it makes good economic sense. It costs $250,000 a year to keep one prisoner. The average NDIS package is $34,000. So it's like uh, just over 10% of the cost per year of looking after someone um and obviously as I say, like seems give, logical give people what they need to live help them live their lives maybe less crime it's mm. it's wild stuff 
Hmm, more research needs to be done to Clearly. understand the seems, connection seems there. But, um, hmm. What if we get wacky whaling inflatable um No, okay, that's... <laughs> It's not viable. Uh, yeah, so anyway, the, look, the program uh, should be expanded, and there are some issues with it that need to be fixed. Um, and so, for example, Carla Brady from Ingala Wangara, which is uh, an artist and employment uh, organization, non-profit, says that people can't refer themselves to the court. She says, the referral must come from an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander legal service lawyer or magistrate, not the person who's actually got to face court or got to face jail time. Mm. So... Obviously, you can see there's an issue there. If the lawyers don't cooperate mm. or if the magistrate doesn't cooperate, then they don't get access to the service. Um, also, there are about currently a dozen Murray courts, but there should be one at every single magistrate's court and probably also at other levels of court. I don't really know heaps about the sort of vertical separation of court's powers mm. or whatever, but like, it makes sense to me that for like felony charges that a similar process would also make sense. Um mm. For, for offences that aren't heard at magistrate's court. Hmm. Um, and to quote Carla Brady again, I think the whole justice system needs to be dismantled. I don't mean burn everything down. I just mean just remove us from it and let us handle our business and we will. We'll get it right. We'll do it. And yeah, I mean, I think we should burn everything down, but like <laughs> we should definitely start with her suggestion of letting First Nations people handle their own business because they will get it right. And as we've seen with these Curry courts, uh, these Murray courts in Queensland, there's a 100% success rate. Uh, which is phenomenal. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, thanks for that story, Noon. Uh, let's move on now. AC, AB, AC, AB. Just hearing that tennis saxophone honking. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> as that yeah. Plays. In your in your imagination. Bam, bam. All right, so um, you know, pop on your gumboots or or your waders. We're 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 wading deep into. Friendly Geordie's discourse this week. I swore I'd never do it, but um, I don't know. It's the discourse is a bit different this week. You know, normally it's a lot. It's a it's a lot of very like super online Twitter beef mm-hmm. that is kind of like that's what the Friendly Geordie's news is. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit more, you know, a real thing actually happened. I would tend to agree. Yeah, and I'm not super interested in investigating like hundred long. 100 tweet long arguments uh but mm. uh can i just say sorry oh, before we get into it just on <laughs> yes uh there's a pattern that i don't know if you've noticed zach but um you'll message me when some fucking shit storm happens you'll be like geez i can't fucking stand hearing about this thing i just don't want to talk about it it's so annoying and then two <laughs> days later you'll be like i've got this take percolating about friendly geordies uh, <laughs> and then we get a, a 45 minute segment on it so anyway hit us what's what yeah, with the friendly geordies so, all right, I'll give you a bit of background on what has happened this week. And I know Holly especially <laughs> deliberately avoids Friendly Geordie's news. So uh, That's true. I'm sure that most of our listeners are familiar with Friendly Geordie's. He's a YouTuber. I would describe him as like a, at best centrist, but more likely a sort of center-right YouTuber. He's a labor hack um, and has uh, deeply socially regressive opinions, but he hates the libs, uh, which, you know, Sure, credit where it's due. Anyway, so this week, his producer, a guy named Christo Lenka, has been arrested on charges of stalking John Barillaro, who is the New South Wales Deputy Premier and the leader of the New South Wales National Party, uh, and high in the running for basically just, like, absolute fucking biggest asshole in Australian politics. Like, he's flagrantly corrupt. 
uh, extraordinarily hypocritical, like actively works against uh, environmental legislation. And on a personal level, he's just really, really nasty. Like mm-hmm. he's famous he for. Seems like a scumbag. He's a huge scumbag. He's famous for like calling someone a cunt so... until they dropped out of a parliamentary race. That's yeah. exactly. He's famous for basically like at constantly attacking his colleagues. Um, yeah, we spoke about John Barillaro in relation to him uh, f- trying to blow up the New South Wales coalition over some koala legislation mm. that was going to get in the way of uh, real estate developers making money hand over fist, which is who his real constituents are, not country people. So let's get that out of the way. He's an obnoxious, slimy pube cluster. That's, you know... Uh, important background. So the background to this arrest, um, Friendly Joydis has been making several videos about John Barillaro because he hates the Liberals and John Barillaro is basically the worst of them in New South Wales. Uh, well, worst of the coalition. He's a national. Um, most notably, he shot one at an Airbnb that is owned by John Barillaro, which is pretty funny. You uh, may recall that while they were there lull. shooting... Uh, he published a photo of two women who he employed, like, kneeling at his feet while he was in a bathrobe with some, like, derogatory oh, that comments was that about one. them. That was that I'm pretty sure that was at uh, Barilaro's mansion. It was. That, I don't know if he Airbnb. employs those women, but, yeah, that was a gross photo and a gross incident. Mm. Way to um, but that shatter video... any goodwill that you had from this, uh, oh, yeah. what I would say, kind of good lol. He's a horrible misogynist. Yeah. Um <laughs> And so that video that he shot in Barilaro's Airbnb, he details several very apparent instances of Barilaro giving government money to his mates, pork barreling uh, liberal seats and, uh, sorry, coalition seats. And, uh, and you know, Friendly Geordies is, by the way, referencing like ABC and Guardian articles like throughout this video. It's not like original journalism. Mm. Uh, he did do one other video, uh, which did have some original mm-hmm. journalism, which was a joint investigation with Michael West Media, which is like an indie uh, publisher, uh, about uh, John Barrow doing a dodgy property deal uh, where he basically, like, you know, sort of through legal methods, like steals a community club to sell it mm. for profit. Um, mm-hmm. So those are the two kind of big ones but the, like friendly Jordy's talks about barrel hour like all the time he calls him bruz so, which is annoying because it is much easier to say than barrel but there's it's sort of a you know shibboleth of whether you're aligned with geordie's or not if you if you say bruz you're like exactly yeah yeah so anyway that, oh so you i must resentfully acknowledge that yeah uh oh. but also you know he sells barrel testicle bottle openers and like t-shirts yeah. about him and t-shirts is, where is, he's is dressed it... as like made to look like super mario because most of like as like my next dot point here right is that those videos about john barrelaro that brandy have have made do have some good content in them yes. and as as i've said barrelaro is is a flagrantly corrupt piece of shit but a large part of the videos are just jokes about barrelaro being fat and italian so yeah. you know <laughs> And which, like, so John Barillaro is suing Friendly Geordies for defamation over, you know, this series of videos that he's made about him. I mean, he is Italian. I... Yeah. That's not defamatory. Pr- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not defamatory. That, that's true. 
though you should he, read, I he, think I read out a Italian. little bit of the the letter um, that the lawyer, uh, lawyers sent to friendly Geordies uh, with like the statement of claims being like, you have to fame my client with it. And it's very funny because they've just gone through every video that he's done and pulled out only the defamatory or like supposedly defamatory sentences. And so it's just like, he's corrupt. He's a greasy meatball. He's a kangaroo ball sack. And like, it's just like the lawyer has typed out all of these, like, like four or five pages of vicious burns. And yeah, they alternate That's between beautiful. funny and like, oh, he's fat. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the, most of the jokes are just, yeah. Look at him. He's eating spaghetti. Um, yeah. Friendly Jordy's is gross. Yeah. He's, he, look, it's not super sophisticated comedy. There's uh, just so much to like, uh, shit on Barilaro about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so irritating when people do that. Exactly. So, uh, Barilara's lawyers uh, allege that these videos have brought Barilara into, quote, public disrepute, odium, ridicule, and contempt, which I would say all of those things he definitely deserves. Um, I think he brought himself into public odium. I yeah. would agree with to that. To be fair. Well, um, the truth defense is he is odious, so. Yeah. It may hold up. You never know. Uh, Barilara is also suing Google for keeping the videos up on YouTube after <laughs> Barilara complained. Good luck with that one. But so back to the producer, Christo Lenka. So he's mm -hmm. a 21-year-old kid who's working for Friendly Geordies, and he's been charged with two instances of stalking Barilara. So one incident was at a, a Macquarie Uni. He, uh, Christo Lenka accompanied Friendly Geordies to this uni event where... Um, Geordie's was dressed as Luigi and like screeching at the top of his voice. Oh. Uh, and Link was like dressed as his lawyer. And yeah, they just generally caused a scene. Uh, and the second incident was in uh, Sydney CBD when Barilaro was leaving a state funeral for a rugby player. And Christo Lanka basically approaches him uh, with a legal document, which Lanka and Friendly Geordie say it's like these are documents that they've been given by uh Barilara's lawyers mm, and there was right. like and there was an incorrect detail on them and he was taking it was like you know this is wrong we want, need to give these back to you um and Lenka basically says that this encounter was a coincidence that he was on his way back from uni he had the files on him he saw Barilara and he took his chance I have no reason to disbelieve that um the really? I will, so I I yeah. want to Mentioned okay. here because Friendly Geordies uh, makes a lot of this. They've got like a 15 second video that Christo took when he approaches Barilaro and says, Here are the papers, I need to give them back. And Barilaro ignores him and gets in the car and drives away. And Geordies has been saying, like, This is proof that he wasn't stalking him. You can see he's just walking up to him in this video, or whatever. And I think that's very silly because it only proves what happened for that 15 seconds and he could have been following him for hours beforehand. Like, I, as you say, Zach, yeah. I have no reason to think that he was. I'm not trying to say I believe that he was following him. I just think that the argument that the video doesn't show it is really, really silly and all of our listeners should not ever say that to anyone because it's ridiculous. I think it makes it more sus. Like, yeah, maybe you guys are right in that, you know, he just, they just ran into him after this funeral or whatever. But, like, to, I don't know. I just think it makes it weirder that you'd be like, look, we, we just wandered over here. I think that's well, weird. Well, I mean, he's, like, he says he was on his way past uni. His uni campus is near where the where the There's been a happened. lot of, like, forensic logistics going on. People being like, well, if he was traveling east at oh, three point yeah, kilometers. Well, that's a, here's the it's thing. It doesn't totally matter. Important. Totally it just really, really, It just really, really doesn't matter. The important thing here is that the cops 
the version of events doesn't line up with what's on that video. And I don't trust friendly Geordies, but I trust the cops and John Barillaro a lot less. Yes. So I'm just going to go yes. ahead and assume that their version of events is the slightly more correct one. Great. So Kristolenka is arrested later that same day by this special section of the New South Wales Police called the Fixated Persons Investigation Unit, or FIPU, uh, <laughs> who are uh, plainclothes cops. They show up in an unmarked car. Um, and, uh, yeah, th these Fixated Persons Units, uh, I'll talk about them a, a little bit more later on, but this particular one in New South Wales was set up in 2017 in the wake of the Lint Cafe siege, which you guys right. might yeah, remember. Yeah. Uh, and essentially, it's like they're supposed to catch individuals who cops say are like a terrorist, but they don't fall under anti-terrorism laws. Mm. Um, so they send this fucking counter-terrorism unit to arrest this kid at his home in Dulwich Hill. Shout out Dully, my hometown. Mm. Uh, and it's a fairly nasty scene. Uh, Lenka's mum gets knocked down. The family dog is apparently injured. And the cops behave like absolute assholes because that's, of course, what they do for a living. Um and it's really distressing um if yeah, listeners if you're up to know i'd suggest yeah. watching it it's not graphic link like... family filmed it so there's video yeah there. yeah um and friendly geordie's published that video to youtube um in this video where he compares the arrest to uh pinochet's chili which is yeah i would say a reach um yeah well again, i mean more on this, that later, but yeah. Okay, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. We can talk about Pinochet later. Yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll get into it. Uh, but so Christo Lenker is now out on bail, but he's got these ridiculous fucking bail conditions. So he's not allowed to possess images or caricatures of Barilaro or comment on his personal appearance or behavior. That, mm. <laughs> which is yeah, just just bonkers. So that's this is quite wild. Yeah. So this, that's kind of an overview. It is. It's it's a wild. So so this isn't. Yeah. It's not just like. Not internet drama on his appearance or behaviors but like Some Larry Flynn shit are there other yeah. things that he could comment on like his policy position I don't know whatever it's not important just potentially that's a fucking wild know. condition yeah. well yeah and it makes it very clear it's like you know these guys were called out by Barilaro uh, it, like I don't like it when you make fun of me exactly and, you know I mean they arrest this kid on the same fucking day that mm. he like you know according to him bumps into him at uh, you know, outside this, the when he's on his way home from this funeral, and like it's very mild. It's not like you know, the the harassment as it's characterized by Barilaro is very mild in this particular instance. But anyway, so this is very obviously you know a politician deploying cops on a personal vendetta. I think that, yeah. that is yeah. unequivocally yeah, fucked. Yeah, I think that's yeah, it's pretty pretty obvious. It's and pretty black and white that awful. it's bad. Yeah. Yes. Um. Uh, and, you know, just as a side note, a, a thing that has been mentioned several times, you know, police are fucking notoriously bad at following up allegations of stalking and harassment, right. especially yeah. of women. So, you know, the fact that they get called out on this same day to, yeah. you know, well, to put this kid say, in cuffs like, in his front yard. When you say, like, it doesn't matter whether or not he, you know, like, whether this kid was giving it, it's like, what, even if he had been following for five kilometers, his goal was to give him some papers and for yeah. to get him on camera. It wasn't to do what most stalkers are trying to do and what we were trying to get mo like police to give a shit about. Mm. Yeah, uh, which is absolutely. you know, yeah. I don't know if you're going to partners. They're talk partners, about partners this, most of the time, uh, Zach. But also, like again, it's, I'm not a hundred percent willing to just take 
Geordie's like narrative at face value, but it seems like some huge creepy dudes hired by lawyers came and like skulked around his house for a good 24, 48 hours uh, before all of this stuff happened, um, trying to serve him papers basically, but like in a really terrifying, intimidatory kind of way. And so then uh, uh, seemingly on Barilaro's instructions. And so for then for Barilaro to be like, Oh yeah, this one 21 year old approaching me in, in public. Yeah. In the middle of the day, yeah, like, well, that yeah, that lays bare the power imbalance here. And I've seen some people kind of equivocating online about you know whether or not Christo Lanka had it coming, whether or not Friendly Geordie's behavior and bad takes sort of justify this. Right, like, right. Just no. Like, just this fucking is, never. This, this is this is very fucked. Um, but so yeah, I mean, as you say, Noon, like this really smacks to me of. Barilla are trying to get at Geordie's, but essentially not being able to make it stick. And so Lanka is kind of like a consolation prize. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the use of this fix pa- fixated person's unit is very fucked, in my opinion. They define mm. a fixated person as someone who, quote, has an obsessive preoccupation pursued to an excessive or irrational degree with, and they give a few different examples, but the pertinent one is a public office holder or internationally protected person. And, like, who... How are we ever going to trust police to make the call on how right. reasonable, like how obsessive it is, reasonable to be of a flagrantly corrupt politician? The, like, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the liberal I'm party with in the that, like, that they're keep... fucking terrible. Yeah. They keep trying to murder everyone. <laughs> I'm just so obsessed with them in this way. Yeah. This guy gets up every day in Parliament and yells at me and comments on my behavior and appearance. Um, it's the leader of the opposition. Uh, yeah. But also, um, the, the this, like, fixated persons unit, again, I'm sorry, I keep mentioning Shizek, sorry, not sorry, uh, but, like, it's this category that doesn't make sense that has to be there for subjective opinions to appear objective. So we've got all of these laws about what terrorists are, and so the counterterrorism units are going to deal with them, uh, and then we've got some other people that we also want to arrest and fuck with, so we're just going to have this other category that's, like, spare you know it's like yeah. actual counterterrorism, and then like oh and whoever we want as well in Misk. this bonus category um and it's just for when barilaro has the subjective thing of like i want this to be a crime and then they've got oh yeah we've got this objective category of crime for this guy anyway mm. that's yeah that's my zizek aside for today <laughs> No, I agree. It's like when you're driving on the road and uh, someone beeps you and you think you've done something wrong or that you, you they need to, and then you realize, oh, no, they just want to be exactly where you are. And uh, it's just that you're like, oh, you're just very angry. This thing is happening. Yep. But for Barilaro, he's like can call the cops. In that his situation. beeping has <laughs> beeping is, attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I can get cops to like punch your mom. OK, yeah. cool. Great, let's do that. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is road rage is pure ideology. Yes. Okay, gotcha. So the maximum term that Lanka could get is five years. Um, you know, ah. if, if, if it can be proved that there oh, was intent shit. to cause the person in question fear of physical or mental harm, and the physical harm, that's obviously bullshit. As far as the mental harm, I mean, you know, he's in fucking public office. Yeah. He needs to be able to cop a fair amount of criticism, and... 
if you ask me, I don't know if this is too spicy, but he fucking deserves to be hounded, in my opinion. Like, he holds a huge amount of power. He's used that to enrich himself and his mates. He should be held accountable. He shouldn't be able to step foot in a public place without people reminding him of all the ways that he mm. has abused public office. I don't think that's spicy. I think that's pretty... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it might be spicy um, if you ask the fixated persons unit. So There's also, like, another gendered thing here of, like, women in public office or the public eye constantly receive yeah. death threats and other threats of violence and stuff, and cops just constantly ignore it. And, like, as I understand it, those women basically also just ignore it because that's the only way that you can function with that kind of volume of yeah. abuse coming at you. Um fixated persons yeah, unit like, don't seem to be following that up as far as i could tell well um, yeah i mean <laughs> i mean obviously it's got to do with the thickness of the skin as you say yeah like, yeah but you know also on the flip side if you want to talk about harassing people to the point of mental distress mm. nobody does that better than the cops like showing up to I activist houses friendly months after a protest um you know yeah Telling them they're being watched, taking away their phones, threatening arrest if they're seen at other protests. Like, but obviously, it's not fixation uh, when the state does it. No, uh, <laughs> the state is obsessed with me. <laughs> well, apparently, in Friday Jody's case, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it would seem. So, you know, this has all happened. This is very obviously fucked, but there is an extra element to this, which I think is, you know, an important note to touch on which is friendly geordies is really in like terribly positioned to process this essentially or mm -hmm. to make any kind of uh coherent political argument around mm -hmm. what has happened because of everything that he says and thinks and does <laughs> so you know one of the thing one of the, the things that i've seen floating around on social media is that this should be an opportunity for solidarity between friendly geordies and the kind of broader left who you know he has an opposition with people should reach out and be like hey we are constantly fighting against police brutality we're fighting for marginalized communities who are victimized by cops now that you and your team have experienced the same thing we can work together towards this goal but not that's not friendly geordie style so as we have outlined in this segment friendly geordies is basically an unmitigated piece of shit He's, you know, uh, he's he's got racist attitudes towards indigenous people. He dismisses sexual assault on, against women on a regular basis. And he's got absolutely fucked ideas about gender and masculinity, which are all kind of lapped up by this adoring audience of young men who take his word as gospel. And I think, you know, one of the things that's, that I find striking about the Friendly Geordies fandom is when you see his defenders, you know, online, they all parrot his exact lines of argument word for word and you see them repeated again and again and again and this the the comments around this arrest are a great example so you know in his video about it friendly geordie says this is reminiscent of pinochet's chili so all of the comments are like ah oh, this is just like pinochet's chili mm -hmm. this is just like the gestapo i can't believe this is happening in australia but of course this is the day-to-day -day reality of so many marginalized people especially indigenous people you know in the Northern Territory, cops can kick your door down without a warrant if they suspect alcohol is being consumed in, inside a property. Like, if you want to talk about police overreach, okay. you know, the creep of police power, these examples are there, you know? Mm. And obviously... No, Zach, I think it, it's just now. It's just now this, this is time. The, this is the first time the police have ever made an unlawful arrest, a bad arrest in Australia. Mm. Well, no, all of the other ones may have been unlawful, but they were good. 
this one may be lawful, but it's bad. But it's well, bad. You've taken the words right out of Friendly Joey's <laughs> mouth. So, you know, well, I mean, I want to say here, or I also want to make the point here that, you know, obviously, basically the most visible uh, example of, of police abuse of power in this country is, is deaths in custody. That's the issue around which, you know, a lot of activism has um, uh, formed. And Friendly Joey's, as far as I can tell, has one video you know, out of hundreds, maybe thousands, which talks about, uh, de- you know, a death in custody. And he talks about the death for like a minute, makes a couple of jokes, and then turns the video into a completely unrelated attack on the Liberal Party, which, you know, tells you a lot. But what you've just said, Noon, about like this sort of artificial distinction between like good and bad arrests hmm. is actually very close to something that um, Friendly Jody said in his video about this arrest. So I oh, pulled out cool. a clip a clip here and this is two uh, clips that i we're getting him on the yes. show we're getting we're, we're <laughs> welcome to the show friendly jordy's um and yeah this is <laughs> two clips holly which is uh, sinking lower and lower into her chair as the, the clip I becomes imminent uh i'm sorry i'm sorry to subject you to it but here it is this this is two clips that i've smashed together but um they're from the same video about christo lenker's arrest christo was arrested by a counter-terrorism unit This is not an attack on the police. These shadowy figures are not the police. They are the product of the powers the coalition have handed this legalised goon squad to be their state-funded Praetorian guard under the guise of protecting you from amorphous and ill-defined boogeymen. According to Christo, the normal uniform police were reasonable and professional. He felt bad that they had to process the claim on a Friday night when they obviously had much more important matters to deal with than a tantrum. Tantrum. Also, what's a tantrum? Praetorian. That's tantrum, but you read it off a off a teleprompter. So, what was your question? Uh, uh, The the Praetorian Guard. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like the Praetorian Guard. That's right. So you know, Geordie's is basically he he doesn't even see this. He doesn't see this as a representation of you know of cops being police exactly. He says Practices. The, the people who arrested Christo Lenka are not cops, and furthermore, regular normal uniform cops are good. Actually, like in the video about which features footage of his producer being like brutally arrested by the cops. So let's just be very fucking clear about this. I don't want there to be any confusion in terms or whatever. These fixated persons units are absolutely cops. They don't fall under right. some other legal fucking definition. Special bad cops. They're special bad cops, but they're still cops. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're fixated persons units. If only there was a handy in... forward phrase that would help us with this. If only. Venn diagram situation. That would mm. relieve us of the need to talk about this at all. cops are in special units yeah i think that's how it goes Mm, mm. so we've got obviously there's new south wales has a fixated persons unit and there's equivalent units in victoria and queensland as well and yeah they basically they they fall under these police departments and they do stuff like show up to people's houses to psychiatrically evaluate them because they've made too many public complaints about a public servant or filed too many freedom of information requests or posted some shit about hacking the Australian government. I'll point you towards Tom Tanneke's, um article on this this week. Yep. Maybe we'll put a link to that in the comments where he talks about that specific example, which is fucked. <laughs> where they basically sectioned someone and, and like <laughs> injected them with sedatives because they were talking about hacking the Australian government, but whatever. 
So they are cops. They're definitely cops. They're not some fictional, special little sectioned away bad cops that friendly Geordies can hate while still p- supporting the regular cops. This is exactly the same Zizek issue. He's created a special <laughs> objective category of not cops that doesn't really exist because his subjective opinion is that we need to distinguish the Anyway, that's fine. Sorry, go on. I'll write an article yeah, no, about ev- it and stop mentioning everything, it. Everything is Zizek. I'll give yes. you a button yes. that you can smack every time <laughs> that, uh, that something is Zizek. Can you make yeah. an air horn that sounds like an air horn, but it's actually... Yeah, yeah. but I'll, I'll I'll limit to you to, to one use per minute. One per episode. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. Fair, yeah. Um, but look, where he where Freddie Jordies is right is that these fixated persons unit do represent an expansion of police powers. They uh, uh, represent increased politicization of police power, and they represent a reduction in the transparency of police power. Like, mm. these units are very fucking scary, and we should be worried about them. They've only been established recently. They operate in secrecy, and they basic. there's no public oversight of how they decide who to, like, sh- whose house they decide to rock up at and be like, you've posted one too many times about this public servant or whatever. So, look, there's one more clip from... I know I, I hate to subject you to it again, but there's one more clip that I want to play from a Friendly Geordie's video. And this is from that video I mentioned, which was... It's called Death in Custody, but it's not about that. But um, I, I was watching it and I was like, fuck, this really perfectly sums up his political perspective. This is perhaps the most sinister part of having a liberal government. You will never hear me bash public servants, unless they work at the ABC. But as soon as the Liberals are in, the entire point of the bureaucratic establishment is transformed from a machine whose purpose is to assist the public into little more than a tool designed to hide their crimes against you that you have to pay for. Wow. Which, yeah, right, doesn't that sum it up? State and revolution. The whole <laughs> state is a dictatorship of the ruling class. Come on, Geordies. No, 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 that's only half the state. The other oh, half yeah, the state yeah, that's good. when the bad guys get elected. Yeah, yeah. The exactly. rest of the time, so, it's a fully functional machine for improving people's lives. Exactly, and that's that's his outlook. So that's why he can't mount a coherent systemic response to this because his political outlook precludes it. He he basically thinks, as you say, Noon, that our political system is fair and functional. All we need to do is weed out the bad actors like John Barillaro, kick out the bad parties like the Liberals and the Nats, and put the good guys, aka Labour, in charge. And so that's why he has to talk about good cops and pretend that Lenka's arrest is an anomaly. It's also why he loves talking about corruption, because he sees the problem with the political mm-hmm. system as resting with bad actors, bad parties within an otherwise functional system. And that, so his work has never actually made any kind of meaningful challenge to power structures in this country. And so this line of thinking then gets passed directly on to his fans who, as I've said, you know, are like basically credulously swallow everything that he passes on to them. That is, as you know, a generalization, but his fan base is like, you know, part of what Friendly Geordies does deliberately is that he sows mistrust in any other form of media. He says, you can't get your news anywhere else because they're all corrupt. They're all taking money from... Classic, uh, like, limbo shit. Exactly. Mm, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he follows a kind of a very, a fairly standard right-wing demagogue, um, <laughs> like, polemic uh, template. So, you know... And as, as I say, reading the comments from his fans, where they're like, I can't believe this is happening in Australia. Australia is becoming a police state. It's like, bro, it's been a police state. So that's been extremely frustrating to see. And I think that it's a direct result of Friendly Geordie's inability to actually see the forest for the trees. So to sum this whole thing up, Friendly Geordie's is a terrible influence on political discourse. But 
John Barillaro is significantly worse than him and wields far more power. There is no equivalence, in my opinion, between those two people. Furthermore, the deployment of the fixated person's unit on the whim of a politician is deeply fucked, and these units in general should be a huge cause for concern for you know people on the left especially. But Friendly Geordies hasn't learned anything from any of this, and so most of his fans won't learn anything from it either. So I don't know if there is an opportunity for solidarity or political development there, because I think that Friendly Geordies has deliberately nipped it in the bud with his response. Uh, so to sum up, uh, everybody loses because it's a bunch of bullshit and now we all have to hear about it. Um, but, like, I mean, I think the lesson here really is that, you know, you need to listen to the people who have been brutalized for, by police for as long as the police have existed, listen to what they tell you about their experiences and listen to what they suggest be done, mm. which is abolish, abolish the police. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. That was great. It was terrible. So. It was awful. But I hated hearing about Friendly Geordies, but also it's very good. If anyone well, has to listen to it, it's lucky we've got you to tell us about it, Zach. Yes, that's, well, that's basically <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I, you know, as you say, I, I avoid, I avoid listening to him. I can't stand his fucking little voice. I can't stand the shit that he says, but he's like influential. And, you know, it's, this is a particularly fucked situation so yeah but i think it also provides an insight into you know what makes him not a helpful political force as well yeah. like it, it it shines a light onto like one of the on the major weakness of his political outlook Famously, which he is passing on to like hundreds of thousands of fans labor hack is one of the most useless political positions like it's just it's like great you've <laughs> not doing anything for anybody it believes you to do nothing ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and it's not even helping right. the Labour Party. No, it's a, that's what it. That's what it, it doesn't get any. No, that's fine. Well, Ugh, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that segment because I've been kind of been you know deliberately not talking about funny juries on the podcast because I hate giving him um, airtime. But I, I still I have been having thoughts and I've been like I've been saving them flashy. up like. Yeah, it is. I've been saving them up like um, like like a proud boy with his tongue. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, thanks for perfect analogy. I'm not never not. I'm, I'm never friendly Geordies. And this was, um, this was released. So anyway, uh, I'm glad you got that release. Yeah. You feel good. I do. Sleepy. It's almost yeah. an exact perfect analogy for when Gavin McInnes put a dildo up his butt on live. <laughs> it's on, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, uh, you guys are really gr- are really great for the political discourse. <laughs> That's what I, I think. Don't like Jordi's, yeah. Um, Speaking oh, okay. of great discourse, I believe we <laughs> now have a mm. story from Holly. Oh, ready to go? <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. It is time for for my story. My my big story of the week. <laughs> Ooh, the audience ridiculous. goes wild. Well, again. congratulations, Bob. Okay, I'm not a professional news explainer like you two, <laughs> so I hope uh, it will all be. Uh, fine but i'm mostly just going to read my notes and you guys can ask me questions about it that sounds good Is sounds like a podcast to me okay cool um so that's slavoy that's that's Zizek, what you just said oh this is podcasting right uh, yeah mm-hmm. okay moon loves this joke <laughs> <laughs> he does look very happy about it um, that's true so i am talking a bit about 
uh, some news this week that was about uh, pharmacists giving counseling to people requesting the morning after pill. And I do just want to uh, pre-apologize because I will be quoting from a slew of articles that uh, pretty much exclusively uh, speak about women and girls. And that's what this story relates to. There are a lot of people uh, with uteruses and, and the rest uh, that are not women and girls. So uh, sorry to all those very valid people. Um, uh, journalists should be better at their mm. jobs. Um, okay. That's something that we agree with friendly Geordies on. That journalists should be better at their jobs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. One thing I wanted to note real quick is, sorry, I forgot to say this when we were talking about him, but he keeps referring to himself as a journalist and what he and his colleagues do as journalism. And that really reassured me when I was watching his videos this week. I was like, we, we are always doing the opposite of that. That's a good sign. <laughs> anyway, sorry, yeah. please, please go on, Holly. And as, as I was like going through the articles about this this week, I was like, I think you guys do better journalism than some of the... Like, oh, no, don't say that. That's, no. <laughs> that's exactly the opposite of what Noon just said. No, I, you'll see, what, you'll see what I mean when I get there. <laughs> yeah, you'll see what, as in, as in, but that's what I mean. It's like, that's a very low bar. It's <laughs> 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 what I'm saying. Is like okay, that, I'm that, happy that's, to now take that's that compliment. A, what I'm saying is that that's a problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great. Okay. Great. I love it. Um. <laughs> So this article comes out, uh, basic, uh, article comes out in the Herald Sun, the same article slightly written differently is in the Daily Telegraph like a week ago. Yeah, about a week ago. Um, it's called Talk Before Birth Control and the byline is Pharmacists to Offer Counseling. And it's an exclusive by Linda Silmalis. Silmalis? Yeah, Silmalis. Yeah, I think it, the, it's actually the subheading. The byline is like the name of the journal. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you in, guys really are journalists. Who is, this, uh, who is this article by line? Is is that real? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. It sounds like a prank. Subheading anyway. pharmacists to offer counsel. Okay, fine. Um, so the article refers to a trial being conducted by Monash Uni that the government has invested $2.5 million in, which, uh, in which 21 pharmacies across New South Wales, Victoria, and the Northern Territory would, uh, quote, offer birth control counseling to women, to women who want the emergency contraceptive pill or early medical abortion. Um, on the one hand, the article, I found it, uh, pretty bland, uh, it's like kind of goes on from there to talk about how it's part of a $11.7 million initiative to support the safe use of medicines. Uh, quoting from Grant, Greg Hunt, the health minister, yep. Yep. Uh, 400,000 people present to emergency departments each year with medication problems and 250,000 of them are hospitalized. Other parts of the initiative include a $1.9 million trial in which pharmacies will screen people for kidney disease before making recommendations to their GP on medication doses. Another is a $2.4 million trial focusing on building better systems for GPs to work more closely together in reducing medication-related harm. So overall, it seems to be part of a big yeah. scheme to kind of like get chemists uh, more more involved Uh I don't know if you guys, you know, I go and get a lot of different medications and it does, you know, feel like there is a bit of a disconnect between what's going on at my doctor's like office doctor and, and then, they're yeah. sort of asking all these yeah. questions. You kind of have to, sometimes you get asked a bunch of questions twice and then sometimes none and you're mm. like, okay, there's could be some work here. 
yeah could be good a lot of the talk in it is about like particularly people who are mixing medications yeah, and there needs to be yeah. a little bit more awareness so that all sure. checked out to me uh on the other hand it's a kind of a sneaky article in that it's front loaded with uh controversial ish sounding shit like calling it an australian first trial to reduce accidental pregnancies um and when you read the rest of the article it's just very uh it's got a pro-life hint mm-hmm. i guess is what mm. i would call it a nice like little veneer but doesn't mm. actually like it doesn't say like that's not the opinion of the person it kind of spins the trial as being a bit like that mm. um okay. yeah and that was the that was how it was received on social media like people were like this is all about putting an extra barrier between people who need birth control and birth control yeah 100 percent. and i found and the, the headline little... is 100 percent designed to do that oh as well. the headline is the main part of it control. and yeah. i also find the little picture of grant hug to greg hunt kind of like going like this like he's yelling at women <laughs> to not get pregnant or something <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. when it's just like it's not really even necessary he's say, the, his quotes from the article are extremely bland and very like this is what this is and it's completely normal yep. Um, so a bunch of people got really mad about this article and they did what, uh, angry people do, which is tweet a lot about it semi-incoherently. Uh, one of the most popular tweets was from, uh, at Kate L Hunter, who said, ah, no, if a woman comes to the pharmacy with a prescription, she wants it filled, not a chat with the pharmacist about her contraceptive options. Um, she also, she tweeted with a picture of the news article, which was interesting because if you read the news article, that's clearly not what happens in the trial. People with it's not people with scripts are not getting tired right, people like, who for are the pill. It's asking people, for it, medication from the pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the difference here being somebody who's been prescribed something by a doctor and showing up to get that filled versus something like the morning after pill, which you don't need a script for, but you just show up. And in fact, to the kind of the point of the morning after pill is that you need to not have to have a script for it because yeah, there's not right, going to be course. time yeah. often yeah. to go to your GP and sort all that shit out. Yeah. Um, the article does talk about uh, contraceptive pill, the daily, you know, the pill. The pill. Um, the pill. Oh, the pill. The capital T, capital P. Um, mostly because what the trial actually does is like you go and you ask for the morning after pill or the early medical abortion pill and – uh, you get given it, and then and then pharmacists at these. By the way, twenty one pharmacies in the sure. trial, so a yep. pretty tiny mm. amount, yeah. I would say. Say, do you need to talk about like some birth control options? Because it seems like, you know, you might not have a handle on your birth control situation mm-hmm. because of this. So, questionable whether that's cool, but definitely not at all what this other person is talking about and right. a lot, not a lot what a lot of people seem to take from the article was that that's not what was happening yeah i think the one key thing you've uh touched on there is that you like you you buy the pill it's given to you and then you're offered the option of counseling by the pharmacist as opposed to what the headline says which is talk before birth control as if yeah. people are going to get grilled about their choices before also, they get given what they're asking for. Yeah. When I heard the word counselling, I immediately assumed, as you said, a sort of pro-life veneer of like, well, are you sure you want to get this uh, yeah. medical abortion pill? Are you sure this one? But it sounds like, from what you've just said, that it's actually like, 
can we help advise you about birth control the rest of the time? Um, yeah, that yeah. is more what it is targeted for. So the article, okay, so this is the quote from the article. It mentions that uh, people, uh, if people are seeking an early medical abortion, it means that they have fallen pregnant. That is an ideal time for, for a pharmacist to provide contraceptive counseling so as you described, yes. and refer them back into services that can provide them with a pill prescription, IUD, or implant. I would say whether or not that is the ideal time is uh, up for debate, <laughs> sure, but sure. it is. Yeah. Uh, there's clearly some confusion <laughs> here about time. what drugs... Yeah, it's definitely a time, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but there's some confusion here about what drugs will warrant the offer for counselling and not. Um, it's that, like that tweet. The first... The best time to delete this tweet was before you posted it. The second best time is now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, mm, mm. it's definitely a time. Um, these tweets uh, were rampant. There were so many people uh, reading the headline. It, was, it seemed like people were reading the headline in the first two paragraphs, tweeting the article and having being very up in arms about it. Yeah. Um, Which is I, like, you know, it's not showing great media literacy, but also that is a hundred percent what the headline was designed yeah. to do. 100%. Right? Uh, it was definitely meant to be that way. Also as someone who has to deal with this shit all the time, it's immediately what I would think. The second yeah. you see that yeah. shit, that because there's a historical precedent for yeah, for it, so it's not. Uh, it's not know, coming out of nowhere. It's not coming out of nowhere, and I don't think it's completely unfair. But it doesn't show a, a lot of, um, you know, uh, political literacy. I, I guess I, I don't know. Or I, I, I don't know. I don't want to be unfair um, to people that are very rightly stressed about their reproductive rights mm, because. Yes the world is against them all the time. Uh, so a bunch of follow-up articles come out uh, of varying degrees of, like, goodness. Oh, right, that's right. Because then also, not just tweets, but a bunch of actually just, like, very online articles come out that uh, are not actually re not explaining the article. They're just kind of uh, sharing like the most popular tweets about it right, called right, and the articles are called stuff like the government is being dragged for offering women counseling. If they ask for the morning after pill, that has to be pedestrian. It was, pedestrian. <laughs> it was a, it was a terrible article. You know it who else fucking worst. hates pedestrian? Really? Friendly Jordy's fucking hates pedestrian. Yeah. yeah. Than I thought. You know, Zach, <laughs> I think I might have to get you a button that you can press the, whenever you want to talk about friendly Jordy's, but I'm just going to limit you to one in each episode. <laughs> I have the one right here. Is Zach doing an armpit fart? If you didn't know, um, I don't love it when he does that. But at the same but time, I also am always impressed. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly for my own entertainment. Yeah, but I would say people, it is impressive. I'll let you choose your own button sound too, Noon. It'll, it'll play a little bit of Scar or some Weird Al Yankovic, mm, maybe. Mm, yeah, perfect. Mm, mm. Sorry, Harley, uh, we're still roasting each other. But please uh, keep <laughs> delivering the news. Oh no, I enjoy the roast. Um, but but yes, we should get back to the the pill, which we all love. Um, <laughs> so a bunch of follow up articles uh, come out uh, from like the Guardian and Crikey and Junkie and lots of other places, uh, pointing out that uh, the study had been misconstrued in this article, and as a result, by lots of more people, uh, just by heaps and heaps of people. Mm. Uh, 
the trial doesn't have a conservative pro-life agenda. Apparently, it's actually intended to increase access and affordability to uh, contraceptive mm-hmm. d- devices. Options. options. Yeah. Not devices. <laughs> I sound like a Victorian doctor. Um, I'm going to quote from the AJP, which is the Australian Journal of Pharmacy, and their article titled Medication Harm Reduction Trials Detailed by uh, Megan Hannon. The trial was recently misrepresented uh, by some as mandating counselling prior to women being able to receive emergency contraception, formerly known as the morning after pill, or medical abortion medication, said Professor Danielle Matza, Professor of General Practice at Monash Uni, in a statement since. The reality is quite different. Instead, the Alliance trial, which is what it's called, will provide women with the opportunity to receive evidence-based information about all of their contraceptive options in a private counselling room in the pharmacy from a specially trained pharmacist. This offer will be made after the woman purchases emergency contraception, ECP, or fills a medical abortion prescription. Should the woman decide she wishes to pursue the contraceptive pill or an IUD or implant, the pharmacist will refer her to uh, either her GP or local other local services where these contraceptives can be obtained. Um, I think that explains what the trial is pretty basically yep. uh, and seems pretty normal. Um, a lot of these articles also mention tweets that I, I sort of bring brought this up because it's the only uh, like – opinions that i saw from anyone actually in government Mm. um and there were some tweets from labor mp gabrielle williams who's the vic minister for women um who i i don't want to be unfair to you i've sort of she's done some okay stuff and also some not okay stuff you know the classic situation um but at first uh she admonishes the trial for its pro-life agenda and then later going on to clarify that she fully supports any measures to ensure women and girls have the information they need to effectively use contraception um but that she's also concerned that having these conversations at a time of potential crisis may leave women and girls feeling judged rather than informed um which i really take as a very classic kind of like labor like wishy-washy stance of being like i'm anti what the government is doing but also i agree with this stuff and i have no helpful mm-hmm. uh like other Critiques ways to or, do, yeah, yeah other helpful ways to get this done um so yeah i i, I didn't like that very much <laughs> that was why i included it <laughs> um uh so in Crikey, uh, Tori Shepard wrote an article that um, I was, it's really short, but it was a it was a pretty interesting take. If anyone wants it, um, but what we'll was, put that in the show notes. Yeah, um, I would. Um, she says the trial is backed up by good science. The results of a similar trial in Scotland found that women offered counselling at a pharmacist had a twenty percent higher uptake of effective contraception in the months after accessing. Uh, emergency contraceptives so i did have a little peep at that study uh it seemed a very similar and fine uh, comparison it was a very similar trial and they have a pretty similar healthcare system that we do so uh you know that it seemed pretty like yeah this is this is reasonable um her article mostly calls bullshit on the pro-life reading of the study and stating that the bullshit here is not the trial itself but the pervasive barriers to contraception that australian women face Mm. uh which i would agree with um which yeah that's pretty much my take on the whole thing so it's kind of that's the end of most of the 
articles, it was mostly like one bad article, a bunch of incoherent tweets, and then a bunch of follow-up articles saying this this trial is actually fine, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of left me feeling like confused and cross. And so I try to figure out why. Sure. And uh, here's some explanations why. Um, <laughs> That's I, what we call analysis. Yes. Yes. I felt angry and I, 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 I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. Yeah. Analysis. Yeah. Um, That's what the podcast is all about. And I also thought it would be nice because I, if I, I have something to say and uh, I would be really interested in hearing uh, for anyone else's experience uh, about this. Because when Zach asked me if I'd seen this story, I was really confused because often when I, when I heard counseling at the morning after pill, I thought every time I've gone to buy the morning after pill, I've had to have like a conversation that I guess mm. I would call not counseling necessarily, but varying between the pharmacists has been, you know, all the way from like chill to excruciating. And I was just mm. like, isn't that what they've always done? Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay. so then when I looked into it, I was like, oh, okay, no, I found out the counseling is quite different that the counseling that they're talking about in the trial is quite different than what is already happening. But I thought I would mention that. Um, so on the Royal women's hospital website, in case uh, people listening have never had to buy the morning after pill before, um, there is a list of questions that pharmacists will normally ask you if you go in for the morning after pill, mostly for medical reasons. Uh, the questions are, your, what are your usual means of contraception? They ask why you need emergency contraception. They ask the number of hours since you had unprotected sex. They ask uh, a bunch of information about your period. Uh, they ask if you've had a pregnancy test recently. They ask if you've had any other medical conditions such as vaginal bleeding. They ask about other medications that you're taking and, uh, you know, if you have any related health systems such as vaginal pain, pain during sex, spotting, all that kind of stuff. So that information is supposed to help the pharmacist decide if emergency contraception is safe and suitable for you, according to the Royal mm-hmm. Women's. Um, and those questions, while very valid in the situation, are like pretty invasive and yeah, sure. it's pretty excruciating asking them whenever uh, you have to answer them. Mm-hmm. I also imagine, I mean, obviously, you know, some people would be going to get this after experiences of, of assault and like, well, that's having the thing. To answer the, these questions in that context is, yeah. it's, 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 it's really horrifying. And they do have to ask them. And, you know, some of the time, they're asking, you know, they're obviously asking because they need to know whether or not you can take it or whether or not it's a good idea. Mm. But sometimes they are just checking to make sure that you are functioning, mm. uh, which is, you know, a lot of this has been, is this the right time? It's a time. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, is this the right person? It's a person mm. uh, to, to check. And, uh, you know, you can't always, but I'm sure. Sometimes when someone can't even answer these questions, they might need to be referred to uh, not someone at the pharmacy, but, mm. you know, a, perhaps an emer- service, a, a yeah. emergency department or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's already like a shit show going in. To, like, you you know, when you wake up, then you have to go and do this. Uh it's like it's, you're not looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't wait to get asked the questions. Yeah, I can't wait to answer my list of questions before I take this pill. It's going to make me like a bit sick, and it's just you know, it's very irritating. Uh, I hate having a body. Who else is with me? Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely me. 
uh, what's more important in my experience uh, than those questions is who's asking them. So a lot of the articles I read refer to another tweet from at Platypus Admirer that was quite popular stating, how fucking dare they? This is pretty much what happened when the pill first became available. Bible bashing chemists would give you a lecture or refuse to fill the script, taking us back to the dark ages. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because uh, in my life I've had like the full like spectrum of chemists. Some being like really respectful and chill and clearly just asking you these questions to make mm-hmm. sure like you're okay and that this is going to be okay for you. And then some of them taking you off to like a tiny little room to speak to you really judgmentally and make you feel really small and gross mm. and like you've done something terrible by mm. needing to not have a baby, I guess. Um, so... I was surprised to hear about the counseling trial causing such a stir because it didn't sound very different to the, like some of the interrogations I would call Mm. them that have gone on in my experience. Mm. And something I was telling Zach about was like, it was the first time I realized like thinking that I was like, wait, is this everyone's experience? Mm. Uh, Because often when you're, you're going through these things, it's most, most of those experiences were in my early twenties and in my teens. And uh, you know, I wasn't talking to a whole lot of other people about them. Definitely wasn't conferring with people on the internet. So maybe it's not, but I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure that's what uh, a lot of people's experiences are. So, and I think if anything, paying for chemists to have training on how to conduct those yeah. kind of conversations, whether or not it, it it could it could either be an improvement or a neutral, because it's kind of already the thing yeah. uh, that's happening. Mm. Um, but. The thing that really irritated me the most about it is because it skirts, the whole thing kind of really skirts this main problem. Uh, is it this trial? The whole the whole trial and the whole like wondering whether this is the right way to go about it. And, the, you know, the main question that they keep saying all through it is like, well, this is a great time to talk to these people about uh, yeah. contraceptives. Mm. And it's not. It's a shitty time. It's just the only time that you're allowed to. Uh, right. Because of the nightmare that like our that our sex ed programs are in, and mm. so one of the the most important quotes when I read uh, when I was researching this was from the Guardian article that was written by Matilda Bosley. Uh, She's got a new podcast, Old Boys Club. It's a, it's like us, but um, well, they're real journalists. Oh, I'll <laughs> have to give it a listen. And there's girls on it. Matilda Bosley and I forget the name of the other host, but yeah. Oh, that sounds better. Look out. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> shit. Massive, massive shot in the foot. Though. But I really didn't like uh, this particular thing. Okay, this particular all right. Type. We're back so, in the box seat. <laughs> so if you guys agree with everything I say for the next two minutes, I'll just Then say we're still going to be Australia's foremost political nobodies. Yes. Yeah, great. Okay. So she says, uh, one in four women in Australia will have an unwanted pregnancy with a third of this group requiring an abortion. This program intends to address one of the key causes for these high unwanted pregnancy rates, education. And it's just a fucking shit way of doing sex of addressing, of, of, of doing sex ed. It's, it's just, why? Why does you... I can't think of a time where I want a sex ed class less than when I go in to buy the fucking morning after pill. <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out. And also a sex ed class that has a very specific audience. They have an only audience people, of one. Yeah. And the and only, yeah, that's like part of the, so I said right at the start that it was very irritating that all through these articles, it's women and girls, women and girls, women and girls. Mm. So many other people uh, can have a baby. Uh, but also 
everyone contributes to having a baby. So everyone should mm-hmm. fucking have to learn about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. Uh, so basically this trial and the ways that it's been really like misconstrued and that everyone's really confused about it, even writing about it or having takes about it, evidence the fucking mm. sh- shit show that, uh, that our national sex ed program discussion conversation is in discourse. Um, this discourse yeah. is no, uh, that's a really good point yeah. this kind of like scarring around to like train chemists to be sex educators to then mm. teach people it's like we already have sex educators it's just sidestepping the development and like implementation of an effective sex ed program mm. and there's just there's an extra step you don't need it um so last thing i'm going to do is really so i've really waffled on about this because i am uh, not a professional and i'm cross uh is a quote from an old article in the sydney morning the sydney morning herald from like just over a year ago uh but it's still obviously very relevant um sex education in a time of moral panic and how it's failing our children the article is by journo melissa fye and in it, she speaks with a group of professional sex educators. And in this, she's asking, this particular quote is asking one of the sex educators. Um, I think it's more difficult for teachers now than it was back in 1985 when I started teaching, says Deakin University's Debbie Ollis, one of Australia's leading sexuality education researchers. This sex education business is a paradox. We're a nation that voted for gay marriage, yet most of our basic sex and relationship education is stuck in boy meets girl territory. Federal and state governments are delivering respect for relationships education to combat violence against women, some of which aims to bust damaging stereotypes, uh, damaging gender stereotypes, sorry. Yet Prime Minister Scott Morrison has agreed parts of this curriculum make his skin curl. Society is furiously debating the complexities of sexual consent post Me Too, not only in the media but in sporting codes and the law, but we're barely having this conversation in schools. And a grueling royal commission told us child abuse flourishes in cultures of sexual shame and secrecy, yet a movement of parents, media, politicians and religious groups wants to shut down parts of Australia's sexuality and relationships education. Um, um. Yeah, so base, that's my whole thing. This whole thing is... Uh, I don't, I don't fucking care if the government wants to like train a chemist to know, to be able to speak more respectfully and uh, helpfully about, Mm -hmm. uh, contraceptive medications. That seems like a fine idea. Uh, it's just not the main idea. Uh, you know, they say that there was a, that the, the trial in Scotland had like a 20% uptake in, uh, effective contraceptions. Can you imagine if that was just like not an optional conversation that you had in a room when you went to buy the morning after mm, it was actually mm. part of a comprehensive sex education program. Yeah. Uh, but we, we can't do that. We won't do that. Uh, don't know why everything's horrible. Um, this is all the joke. That's the end. <laughs> so, so to <laughs> summarize, it's, to it's really a terrible time to talk to people about contraception, but it is a time. But it's definitely a time. They keep saying it's it's the best time. And what they're saying is it's the only time. It's the only time that you have access to that person. Uh, mm. And it's the and you they're, they're there without a parent. And because there are some questions you're not allowed to ask. They're not allowed to ask, you know, uh, do your parents know if you're having sex? Uh, who's your boyfriend? Uh, what's your religion? Uh, some do. Right. Some have. Yeah. Gross. 
uh, but they're not supposed to. And so they keep saying, yeah, as I said, they keep saying it's the best time. It's the only time. It's the only time they have contact and that they're allowed to have that conversation mm. uh, with people that are clearly in a position to get pregnant um, and not want to be. Uh, despite there being numerous other way better times, but yeah. we're just not allowed in most of the mm. uh, in most situations. So of the outrage around this story, which was based on ba- a poorly reported bit of information, would you say that that was kind of misdirected in this case, but truer in a broader sense of it's fucked that our sex education system is failing so badly that it's falling to, you know, now falling to pharmacists to have these conversations. That's yeah, a more it's healthy very, direction like, for give the outrage. Yeah, it's very like teachers guns for me. Yeah. Like that's just, you've added a weird step in here. Mm. If you just backtracked and looked at it logically, uh, we could You're remove this whole problem. Too late in the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that, very obviously you're coming in too late to the problem. I'm trying to get an abortion. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's... Yep. Uh, yeah. Boo. Oh, thanks for that really thorough rundown of that yeah, story. Yeah, thank you so much. It's, yeah, it's a lot okay. of, it, yeah, it is. Well, it's complex because you're telling two concurrent stories. You're telling one about uh, the way that media reports on, you know, Med- health and medical and reproductive issues, but specifically, you know, around thoughtlessly. Is- issues of sex mm-hmm. yeah, and thoughtlessly <laughs> and badly. Yeah. But then you're also having the conversation about what is the actual, you know, issue at the center. It's so of, small know. picture. And it's so like all those tweets really like brought it home of just like, I mean, we're really fo- like, it's mm. so focused on the granular without thinking about like, well, why the, f- why are they in there? In the f- yeah. It's just, <sighs> yeah, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, but um, I think you did a great job, Bob, so thank you. Oh, no worries. And now, if you want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. But it's not technically podcasting, you still gotta do that shit. We got a couple reviews, Noon. The business section. Yeah, we, we did get a couple reviews. Um, we actually got some uh, from quite a while ago that we missed. Uh, so yes, one from Ali Jackson from January. Uh, Fuck the Queen, your most nuanced take yet, and one I strongly back. So thanks, yes. Ali. Glad you liked that one. Um, and We, we have one had here one. from... Uh, you want me to take this one? Yeah, take it. We also have this one here from Jackson Field. I truly have to thank SnackPod for helping me understand a lot of what is going on in my own country. In a sea of corporate media and culture war nonsense, I'm so happy to have Ospol and the small handful of others not good enough new politics shouts out, giving actual analysis on news and current events. Sure, there is a bias, as with all media, but they are honest and genuine about it, and I back that fully. Crunch, crunch. Thanks, we Jackson. are ex- extremely biased left views. That yeah. was the first and ever comment addicts, that we got. So. And climate yeah. addicts. Mm-hmm. That was the first ever. That, but th- that guy meant it negatively. Yes, Jackson yeah. means it positively. That's right. Uh, and Jackson actually contacted us on Facebook to say that um, they wanted to leave us a review to support us because we always ask for that. They didn't want to do it on Apple iTunes, uh, on um, Apple Podcasts because Apple bad, completely reasonable. So yeah, uh, Castbox is the other best place to leave a review, but we won't necessarily see it. So if you have left us a review on Castbox or anywhere else, and we haven't read it out on the show, please, uh, yeah, shoot us a message about it, and we will. Uh, but do. we do have another one. Uh, we do. Week. I thought 
uh, it'd be fun to have Holly read this one. Yeah, out. When, this yeah, one was great. left on Apple Podcasts. Very, very public place to leave review. Best place to do it. This one is from Tamara says I'm Win, uh, and I thought maybe you could read that one out for us, Bob. Uh, enjoyable, if sometimes simplistic. Five stars. I I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I found this pod a few months ago and really enjoy it, though I find the host sometimes oversimplify issues and can be and can be a bit green hacky. But hey, I like it enough that I downloaded the Apple Podcast app to leave them a review where they ask for it. It's um, like somebody overcoming their misgivings to not only give us a review, but to specifically download an app to give it. I mean, that's... Yeah, thank you so much. That's what you want. That's, high, that's, that's really high praise. That's some real Benny <laughs> of the Denny that they're giving us there. You know, <laughs> I appreciate it. Also, I, I'm just putting it out there. Like, I mean, I love getting the five stars, but you did say some critical things about us. You could have given us four. It would have been fun. No, anyway, don't say, uh, why, why would you say that? No. Say the critical things in the review, but give us five stars. Yeah. I much, Tamara, I, you've crushed it, in my opinion. I think right. that is the absolute... That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Nothing, because you know, you give the people the five stars, you give them the boost, and just let them know that you think like I'm trying to give you a little bit of a push here. What I can't stand is where you read a review of something that's like this is pretty good, and then it's like two stars. Mm -hmm. Wait, more information? There is no what? Yeah, we prefer it the other way around. This is pretty okay. Five stars. Uh, I'm interested in the green hacky though. (laughs) Yeah. well, look, I mean, as, as Noon said yesterday, just because they are the least bad on almost every policy issue. Um, and then I say, well, yeah, it's a very low bar. Yeah. Um, which, like, you know, yes, hack for the Greens definitely above and beyond either of the major parties. Mm. No question. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So with that, why don't we get our last segment oh no sorry we forgot no. the whole point of the business please sign up yeah. on patreon because <laughs> you get a bonus monthly episode uh and you can also get in our discord where you can chat to us and see photos of our delicious or less delicious snacks and talk about movies that we've watched or that you've watched and and so and on and so forth also and so on and so forth follow us on the socials facebook yes. instagram and twitter we like to tweet uh from time to time uh and share us with a friend we'd really appreciate it we're you know trying to drum up a little interest in this little indie venture we got going here. So any goodwill you can throw our way, we always appreciate it. But yes, Noon, it is now time for our very <gasps> final segment. Yes! Now it's time for a pup game. So I have a sad pup date this week. Uh, it's fu- Bagel's okay. I'll, I'll say that up top. But <laughs> I did injure him. Don't scare us like that. it absolutely broke my heart. It's the worst... A dog parenting thing I think I've ever done. Um, I've got this toy. It's called a flirt pole. Um, I always describe it as kind of like a cat toy. It's like a pole. We used to have one got... for Dante. He had no interest, yeah. as he does in most toys. I'm always mm. amazed that some dogs don't like them because Bagel just goes absolutely nuts for he goes it. It's, it's, for a, it. it's yeah. really cute. Yeah, uh, a pole with a string on it, and then a like toy at the end. And you stand still and swing it around, and Bagel runs in circles trying to Lots chase of it. People and have catch little it. ones for their cats. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think people would know the little handheld ones that you have for a cat that says a little bobble. It's just a like a big something. version. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the ones that I have, it's made. The cord is made out of bungee rope, um, mm. and the toy is made out of Kevlar because it's designed for pit bulls because nothing else will withstand his powerful chomp. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I can send you the link for the shop for this one if you want. Anyway, um, but uh, they 
ages and ages ago broke so i've just got the like the pole is missing it's just the string the the bungee cord <laughs> with the thing and somehow this has never happened before but bagel bit it at high velocity he caught it and it came out of my hand and it flicked him like uh, you know the bungee cord had stretched and it elastic flicked him right in the eye oh, and he no. let out this pathetic little and oh, he was walking no. around with his right eye shut like you oh, like we do no. you know if you get something in your eye and he was just looking yeah. so pathetic with one eye shut He's, uh, you never see a dog with just one eye shut for very long and I was so worried and like Google like injured dog eye what to do and it was like <laughs> do not attempt to put the eyeball back in the socket and I was like whoa, 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 okay no 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 it's not that bad I just anyway I called my dad and I called the vet and they gave me some suggestions and like some vision checks and like he opened mm. his eye again after a minute and there was no blood and it was res- like he could see my hand and stuff and I, but i like i was this was like 10 minutes before i had to rush out to a medical appointment uh, and yeah. the, hence i was giving him a zoom so he would be calm while i was out yeah. and i was like <laughs> do i cancel this appointment that i really need to go to and take him to the vet do i go to the appointment and come back and find i blinded my hound anyway mm. uh, uh, my housemate looked after him for an hour or two until I got back and he's totally fine. Didn't end up taking him to the vet. I spoke to them about it and he's totally fine. But anyway, it was very Did you take any photos of concerned. him with his eye shut? No, I was far too distressed and <laughs> okay. guilty. Yeah. No, I, it, I, I know, I'm glad, really glad that he's okay. And now that yeah. I know that he is okay, I really wish there was a photo. sounds really cute. Did I ever send like, you the photo oh, of oh, the two, the cute little dogs where like one of them has you know because the only time you really see it with a dog's with one eye shut is when they don't have that eye yeah like when they've had surgery to have it sewn shut because something has like gone awry yeah and it's like little um and then his little friend was just kind of like winking <laughs> <laughs> that's cute that's very it's sweet. so good it's one of my favorite photos in the whole world i gotta find it mm. that's all <laughs> what's going on with dante oh, no, we have a dante yeah uh yeah dante's had an okay week he got a bath the uh, the mobile dog bath person oh. came around in oh, their wow. van, and uh, they knocked on the door. And we took I took Dante outside to get into the van, and he stopped between our front door and the van to take a piss. And he pissed for like a full fucking straight minute, hmm. like because <laughs> I've I've said several times he hates going outside when it's wet. And yeah. I had taken him out already, the, because you, you know he doesn't bath well. Sure. Handing him over to anyone. For any purpose is stressful. Is deeply worrying, uh, Let alone yeah. locking him in a van with a stranger <laughs> for a bath it seems yeah. particularly cruel, and yet it's what has to be done. So, but I was like, I'll get his zooms out first. So he'd gone out. He'd he'd pissed. He'd shat. Like he'd done the full gamut. But he really wanted to wanted to show off a little bit. Yeah, such <laughs> the, a prick. Man. The cleaner was just like, wow, he's. Really still going. He's really pissing. He's, he's, he's really still going. But she's a champ, that lady. A, she is. And she did a great job. Dante has been smelling very, very sweet. Oh. Oh. He's so disgusting. He was so disgusting. I like his it. gross smell. No, it crosses over. It. it goes like it's smelly and then it gets like to really comforting again. And then, and then it just, then it goes back up into just like, oh. See, I, I just never experienced that Feet. final phase. I don't, yeah, I don't, that's because you're a bit stinky. I don't mind it when he's stinky. Yeah. Mm. Birds of a feather. Game recognized game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's probably going to do us for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Thank you very much, Holly, for coming on the show and for all the hard work you did researching that story, even yeah, though thanks. you are not a current affairs podcaster. No. no. 
I'm not at all. You're a cozy little crime mystery podcaster. But you really, Agatha Christie'd the fuck out of this segment. (laughs) Oh, thank you. You You did it. You're fully Miss Marpled. I mean, she was a little racist, but so I don't know how to take her. But, um, (laughs) you know, on the whole, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Mostly good. Five stars. Thank you. (laughs) A little simplistic. Uh, Cool. All right, that's going to do us. We'll catch you next week for more news, politics, and memes. In the meantime, keep on snacking in the free world. Being happy brings healthy heart and beauty. Yes. Crunch, crunch. Crunch, crunch.